So, a couple of weeks ago, one of my clients called me out of my name. Completely took everybody off guard, my co-workers, you know, everybody was taken aback because up until this point, none of us had ever been called out of our names, at least to our face, by one of our clients. So I was chill. For a minute, I almost got out of character, but I had to remember, calm myself down, everything was all good. However, I had an opportunity to think about it for a little while because this particular client, I come to realize, is someone who very much is entitled (laughs) and he like many of the uh clients that i've come across believes in this patriarchal way of thinking very dangerous mind you especially when it comes to their way of tearing down men by using demeaning things when it comes to women to do so so we had another altercation and i was ready for this uh particular client this time around So he decides that he wants to call me a pussy. And without missing a beat, I said to him, yes, I am indeed a pussy. Dicks like you look to pound me into submission every day. Yet I bounce back in awesome condition and I'm ready for whatever it is you have to throw at me. (laughs) I'm desired by both men and women. And most importantly, through words and actions, I bring life into the world. At least that's what I assume. Because I've been told on more than one occasion, you give me life. So, yes, I am a pussy. And the next time you seek to demean me, remember that doing it at the expense of women already means that you fail. So, misfits, especially to the men out there, I ask that you unplug from the matrix and teach yourself that women don't equate to weakness. Shaming other men by placing femininity on them is an antiquated and juvenile practice. Grow up. Stop disrespecting our sisters. Welcome to 2020, Misfits. And now, let's get healed. Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. And Happy New Year, Misfit Universe. We are here, 2020. Being 40 this year is pretty special for me. Something about 20 plus 20 equaling 40 feels like it's going to be special. (laughs) It could be just me, but you know, yeah, something feels really special about it. So this episode is entitled, The Year of Healthy Selfishness. And I'm going to be honest with y'all now. It's mostly just a name alone. A brother's tired and I don't really feel like giving a whole bunch of energy to recording an hour long or more episode. But that speaks heavily into what healthy selfishness actually is. I could make a well-edited, thought-provoking, and lengthy episode to please the misfits. Or I could realize that my peace of mind comes first. And I have listeners that just honestly enjoy THS as a whole, no matter the length. That is healthy selfishness. There's no problem with putting you first, you know? Another thing I wanted to share is that this show won't have any segments this week. However, I ask that you all please make sure you are reading the episode descriptions. Now, I know you can't find descriptions on all of the apps. If you have Apple Podcasts or Spotify, those are two apps where you'll actually be able to see them. 
Now, Spotify and Overcast apps will actually allow you to click on the segment markers themselves that take you directly to the part of the show that you want to hear. So, like, if I put that it's, like, eight minutes long, you actually can click, well, not eight minutes long, but you know, at the eight-minute mark. If you click on the actual eight minutes, it will take you directly to eight minutes into the show. On other apps, you'll see the time, but you'll have to manually actually go to the point in the show. Either way, I want you all to know that it, that it exists. Our last episode, Healing Through a Decade, was over three hours long, and all I kept thinking to myself is, I know that these misfits are not listening to me when I tell them to go to the segment markers. <laughs> now, I love all of you who listen to the show all the way through. I've had several of the misfits tell me, I know that you have markers, but I feel like I'll miss something if I skip forward. For that, I say thank you. Y'all rock. I love y'all, and I really appreciate it. However, there may be some people, you know, maybe you're not a regular listener to the show, and you want to hurry up and get to a specific interview or a specific area within Culture of Pop. And for that, I'm just really hoping that you all take the time to go to the description section trust me it takes a minute for me to actually do those segment markers <laughs> so i appreciate when people use them that means a lot <laughs> okay so before we get into the check-in i just want you all to know that this week i'll also be talking about narcissistic personality disorder and in good news i'll be giving a shout out to another misfit that i wanted to show love to uh when they were talking about uh healing through social anxiety they inbox me and they let me know how much the episode meant to them that episode is still getting a lot of love from quite a few people and that means a lot to me because i it meant a lot recording it and being able to talk about it it was very therapeutic for me to be able to get it out on the show so to know that it's been received and that people feel seen because of it means the world to me so okay we're gonna get into my lengthy check-in so my check-in is that since last I recorded the podcast, I spent the holidays in several different cities. So, New Year's, I stayed here in Atlanta, and I'll get to that. But first was Christmas in Kwanzaa, and I spent that back up north. So, I spent it in D.C., Baltimore, New Jersey, and New York. So, D.C. was the shortest. I was only there for a few hours when I first arrived. Uh, however... Later on, uh, my best friend Mario came and picked me up, and I thought we were going to stay in D.C., but he was like he would much rather come to Baltimore. So we called up my best friend Ian, and the six, six of us, what? And the three of us <laughs> met at Miss Shirley's downtown. It was great catching up because the three, the two of them, what is happening with me in numbers? The two of them hadn't seen each other in years, uh, which I had forgotten about. So it was good for them to see each other, and we uh, enjoyed ourselves having brunch at Miss Shirley's. So that was how I first started off. So I was in Baltimore for a little while longer, got to hang out with a few friends, but it was nothing like when I went there in September. I didn't see nearly as many people. Uh, and <laughs> some people who I was absolutely sure I would see, family members included, I didn't get to see. Uh, there are some people that I wanna give shout outs to, but I feel like that would take too long. So just know those of you that I got to see, I love you and I'm so glad that I got to rock with you. And for those who I didn't see, I love you as well. And hopefully when I come back, I'll be able to see you all. But uh, Christmas was fun. I enjoyed Christmas and I'm sure that my family was very happy because I was very festive. I dressed up, um, had on, you know, the hat, the, the shirt, all of that good stuff. We took family pictures. I got my mom, uh, 
I forgot, what is his name, Lamar Jackson, forgive me if I got his name wrong, um, but everyone is crazy, my, my whole family are like Ravens fiends, so all I have to do is get them something Ravens, and they'll be absolutely happy, um, funny Raven, right, but anyway, so, <laughs> I got my mom, um, I ordered her a shirt for, uh, for Lamar Jackson, is, is, am I saying it right? I got a, I got her a Lamar Jackson shirt. There we go. I ordered it on Amazon because she was under the impression that everything that was Lamar Jackson was sold out. So that made me really that made me really happy that I was able to do that for her. Uh, I am not a big gift person at where I am in life. I haven't been that way for maybe a decade. Uh, gifts are nice, you know. Like Mario and I had several Christmases when we were single, and it was just the two of us as besties. We got gifts for each other. But other than that, eh, for me, it's traveling. Like uh, two years ago, my family decided to go to our condo down in Orlando. And that was my gift, like being in 70 degree weather in December. That was my gift. Just being able to be with my family was my gift. But that's just me. You know, I know a lot of people, material possessions mean a lot to them. And that's all good. But if you want to get me a gift, tell me that you're flying me somewhere and that'll be all the gift I need. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, so it was cool being able to celebrate with them. The one thing I will say, though, is that it bothers me a lot that I know so many black people who celebrate Christmas and yet they shame Kwanzaa the way they do. And I didn't plan to talk about this, so I won't stay on it long, but I will say this briefly. I am fully aware of how people feel about the creator of Kwanzaa. And you will not find me on this episode or at any point in time ever speaking positively, positively about the man himself. Knowing the things that he's done, I have no reason to speak of him in any other way other than saying, thank you for creating Kwanzaa. I am not going to stop celebrating it because of what the man himself did. And if people choose to attack him excuse me, if they choose to attack the holiday because of the man, there are a whole lot of other things, including Christmas, that we shouldn't be celebrating. That's all I'm going to say. Controversial comment? Maybe so. But I think that it is a well-balanced comment because I think it's unfortunate that we live in a society where people choose to demean others' practices on a regular basis, especially with Kwanzaa and what it brings to the black community. And there are so many people who will tear down Kwanzaa in a heartbeat. And I'm not just coming after Christmas. Please, let's be very clear about this. I mean across the board. I am someone who believes very heavily in astrology, yet there are people who have certain religious practices who come at me because of astrology. It, it makes absolutely no sense because it takes nothing to be able to tear down what it is that they believe in. But instead of us tearing down what the other person believes in, why don't we just respect that we have different things? That's all. I still believe in God, yet I believe in astrology. They are not even close to being, what? Like, <laughs> I've had people say, how is it that you can believe in astrology and believe in God? One has literally nothing to do with the other. One has nothing to do with the other. I've had people say to me, if you do yoga, then you believe in Satan. One has nothing to do with the other. I meditate. I believe in the devil. It doesn't make sense. And this is when we get into a lack of education. If all you believe in is one particular practice, how can you consider yourself to be, well, educated at all? You know? 
I didn't mean to get there. I didn't, I didn't mean to go. But it really bothered me because I'm watching everyone celebrate Christmas. And then Kwanzaa comes around and everyone begins to break down and insult the holiday. And I'm not here for it. I'm sorry. I watch people the entire Christmas holiday just worship material possessions. And then when I start celebrating Kwanzaa and talk about community and bringing everyone together, that's the bad thing? Hmm. Hmm. Can't get with it. But anyway, so yeah, clearly, as you can see, I didn't end up celebrating Kwanzaa with uh, anyone but myself. Um, so I really need to find community in Atlanta uh, that I can celebrate it with. Uh, I ended up going up to New York uh, a day or two after Christmas. And I was so happy because, well, one, I arrived in New Jersey. I never give New Jersey love. I lived in that place for a year. <laughs> I always say New York, New Jersey. I first arrived in New York and I made my way to get a slice because it is important for me to get, well, two slices every time I arrive in the city. So I left out of Port Authority and went to get two slices on, I think it was 39th Street. Then um, I took a shuttle to Jersey, um, to Jersey City to be uh, exact. And I went to uh, Donye and Brandon's house. I'm just say Donnie and Brandon from now on because y'all have heard them more than enough on the podcast where I don't have to tell you exactly who they are. Um, for new listeners, my best friend and his husband, who his husband is also a very dear friend of mine as well. So I went to their uh, their house because that night Brandon and I were going to see Donye's play one and two. Um, Donye wasn't going with us that night, but uh, we left and we ended up meeting up with a couple of friends and went with them as well. And uh, Tommy was one of them. So shout out to Tommy. You all have heard him on the podcast as well. And one and two, I don't even necessarily know where to start with how important the play is. Uh, You all are listening to this on the 8th of January, meaning you only have a handful of days left uh, as it ends on the 12th. Uh, But it is so important to see it's playing at the, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Pershing Square Signature Center. Pershing, I'm hoping that's correct. P-E-R-S-H-I-N-G Square Signature Center. That's in um, Manhattan. And I think that it allows a lot of people who are on the journey of being HIV positive to feel seen, but also those of us who are negative it's a very very important piece for us to see as well you know uh because there are a lot of us who don't see capital s-e-e those who are on the journey of being hiv positive and that's unfortunate especially in 2020 so these uh three characters and i'll leave it at that go on uh, a powerful journey I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, I really don't want to say a lot about it because I myself wasn't aware of anything other than what I've shared with you. Um, and had it not been for people uh, posting about the play after they saw it and, you know, the, the pictures that come along with the reviews, I wouldn't have even known those three characters. I did my best to know very little about the play. Um, but even with the information that I did know, I was not aware of what happened when I went into it. It was so innovative and brilliant. I love Donye. And I love that I have people in my life that are such amazing creatives. They really are. So if you have an opportunity 
and you're in New York or if you can get to New York by the 12th, I implore you to please see one in two. One I in two. You will definitely not regret it. Look it up online. Do your research. Read the reviews. You will love it. So after we left there, I decided because I was going to stay um, only for the day and then ride home at night. But the last bus going back to Baltimore was uh, literally, I think, maybe a half an hour after the play ended. So I knew there was no way I was going to make it in time. So I decided to stay over. I stayed at Donnie and Brandon's house. So um, Brandon and I, one of the places that we loved to go to when I lived in New York was Dallas BBQs. Now, those who are familiar with Dallas BBQs, a lot of people don't care for the place. Um, but, you know, there are some places in life that you don't go to for the food. You go to for the drinks, the ambiance, something like that. BBQs is one of those places. However, I will say this. If you do go to BBQs and you go for the food, I would liken it to uh, Waffle House. I can't stand Waffle House and I don't understand why anyone would ever go there. I went there once and it was like the nastiest experience, the dirtiest experience I've ever gone through. Um, some people see Dallas BBQs that way. So a lot of people say that if they're drunk or high or coming from a party or something like that, you know, and they're like wasted and need some food, that's the place to go, the after the club place. Okay, I would say that that's BBQs. You go there, you know you've been having a good time with friends, or maybe you want to get the night started. You go there, you put a little bit on your stomach so that you're not like literally falling over yourself, and then you have one of their um, one of their drinks. I normally get the Texas size. So we went there with several of our friends, and I got the Texas size. I forgot what it's called. It's like apple, mar apple martini margarita or something like that. I never remember the name, but thankfully they knew what I'm talking about when I say apple. Um... And I can say it didn't taste as good as it did when I was younger, but it also could be because it felt like they put more alcohol in it than they did the actual apple. Um, <laughs> and I did indeed feel nice, so I was very happy that I was not driving. Uh, and yeah, it was just a really good time being in there. We saw several of our friends. I had a good laugh because my bro Darrell, who is from New York but lives down here in Atlanta, he ended up coming in, so we had a good laugh because we hardly ever get to see each other in Atlanta, but here we are seeing each other in um, New York. Funnier still, he was my last roommate that I lived with when I lived in New York. So it was like after all these years, we end up seeing each other up there instead of down here, so that was funny. Uh, but yeah, so we ended up chilling out there, and then we ended up leaving, went back to New Jersey. I got up the next morning and traveled back. Uh, to Baltimore got to see a few more people spent a few more days there and then I headed back to Atlanta um, yeah as I told you guys on the last episode of the podcast I did a lot of traveling a brother did a lot of traveling um, I believe it was how many 11 states 13 cities or was it 12 cities and one district one of the two, like 11, 11 states, 12 cities, one district. I believe it was. Yeah. A brother is worn out. Um, <laughs> earlier today, I was talking to my best friend, Ian, about uh, planning to go somewhere else. I was looking at flights for the Bahamas, but he said he actually went there last May. So we were talking about when we're going to California. Um, we're planning a trip to Africa. 
uh yeah there's there's a lot um <laughs> i told him that i 2019 was deeply domestic uh i would like for 2020 to be a little bit more international i don't have this passport for no reason but yeah i was warned after i got back to atlanta i was like i don't need to get on another plane for a minute i'm good i am thankful to god that I put into the universe that I wanted to travel in the year year of exploration and boy did I so I'm good <laughs> um, I still plan to travel quite a bit in 2020 but nowhere near to the extent that I did in 2019 I'm worn just thinking about it uh, so in getting back to Atlanta the preparation began for New Year's now New Year's Eve is my third favorite holiday i guess behind my birthday in kwanzaa or kwanzaa and new year's eve may be tied which works because the last day of kwanzaa is on new year's day um however this new year's was a little different for me uh i had initially wanted to have a kickback uh and invite several of my friends over but a part of me is kind of wondering if the universe heard what i kept because words are important as i always tell you all and i kept putting out into the universe that I, you know, I'm inviting people over, but it's weird for me because I don't necessarily like to have a lot of people in my space. And this is true, you know, having maybe four to five people at a time is cool, but the more energies that I have in my place, the more anxiety happens. Uh, I begin to get really uncomfortable because I'm super particular and I know that people are not as respectful, not just of your place, but their own. You know, people have no problem dropping cups and juice being on the carpet and all that kind of stuff. No, <laughs> no. So I was having those kind of worries in my head like, oh, God, please. I, I can't imagine people coming in here. But then, you know, I'm like, but I really would love to celebrate it with my friends you know, especially thinking back to my birthday and remembering how they all poured into me. I wanted to be able to give back to them as well because that's just the kind of person I am. So I'm preparing for it. And the gag of it all was that the majority, the vast majority of the people who canceled on coming all did it the day of. And that's what really hurt um, was that there were so many people canceling the day of. And so it was kind of like, ouch. You know, but even though it was hurting, I don't think I acknowledged how much it hurt at the time because I am a loner by nature. So I was like, OK, I don't believe I've ever brought in New Year by myself, but I can do it this year. That's no problem. Gives me an opportunity to meditate and to prepare for the year of healthy selfishness. That's what I was telling myself. However, about maybe two hours before the ball dropped, I received or maybe it was I think it was an hour I think I may be being generous with two hours. I think about an hour before the ball dropped, I received a phone call from one of my friends. Mind you, the party would have already started. The kick, the uh, kickback would have already started by the time they called. Would have been well underway, actually. They called and said, well, excuse me, called. They text and said they wouldn't be able to make it. And I don't think that he realizes the impact it had, especially because, you know, at the time I wasn't going to say it because I'm like no reason to start any unnecessary drama. But he was the one who broke me. Like, for somebody to hit me up so close to 12 a.m., I was like, yo, did you take me into consideration at all? <laughs> like, that, that hurt. That stung. And when that happened, I think all the other cancellations kind of just poured out. And um, three people did say they would still come. Uh, a couple 
and I'm not going to use any names for anyone, um, even the ones who were going to still come. Um, a couple, they were still going to come, which meant the world to me. But I was like, I don't want to be sitting here as a third wheel in my own home to two people kissing each other. Like, And I didn't tell them that. And they listen to the podcast, so they'll hear and hopefully they have a good laugh. But I was, no, no. Because of course that wasn't the reason I told them. But that was honestly the reason. I was like, I can't, if it would have been other people here, then the two of them kissing and you know being like, happy New Year's, baby, that would have been perfectly fine. But me just sitting with the two of them, I was like, that's just pathetic. <laughs> I can't do that. So I canceled with them, but then it blew my mind because, you know, like, um, cause that was right after people first started canceling. So that was several hours earlier, but uh, maybe a couple of hours after, um, I told them they didn't have to worry about it anymore. One of my other friends said that he was going to come, you know, he was like, he's getting off work early so he can make sure he can still make it. And I was like, don't worry about it. The other two people who were going to come, I told them they don't have to come anymore. So you don't have to come. Because at that point, I was, I don't know, I was just kind of over it, you know? So, I fell into a deep depression. It was pretty sucky. Uh, I do remember that I was standing in the kitchen, standing still, no over-exaggeration, for about 10 to 15 minutes. I remember, because all I remember is just staring at the stove and not moving. And I was there for a minute. And I don't know, like, when I came out of it, it was like before I went into staring... I was totally okay but by the time I came out of it I was in a really really dark place and so that was Tuesday night going into Wednesday I don't think I truly came out of it until Friday Saturday like it, it was bad it was really really bad I went to a very dark place um, that maybe we can talk talk about on another episode of the podcast or something um, all I'll say is that by the time I came out of that place, I definitely was like, I'm taking too long to get a therapist. <laughs> like, I need a therapist now, you know, um, it was not, it was not good. Um, I was very, 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 very sad, uh, and very defeated. And knowing that I felt that way on one of my favorite holidays was like, shit, I'm 40. I don't want to still have to go through this kind of crap, you know? Um, so I do know what I said to myself is that. Going into 2021, I'm going to take New Year's into my own hands. And earlier I talked about being in, you know, doing more international trips this year. I will be out of the country celebrating New Year's. Uh, I'm speaking that and it's going to happen. Uh, Create your own damn happiness. (laughs) But uh, thank you to those who were still going to show up. Uh, That really, really means the world to me. Uh... And, and also, no hard feelings to those who couldn't come. You know, it did hurt that so many of the responses happened the day of, but it's no hard feelings. I need to make sure that I say that. It's no hard feelings because I love those people just as much, too. Um, okay, so we are now going to move on to uh, talking about narcissistic personality disorder. So I'm going to keep this pretty brief because the truth is I plan to have this episode over at 20 minutes and it's already gone past that. Uh, so I watched a documentary on Netflix uh, called Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. Now I could have dedicated an entire episode of the podcast to this because this one hit me hard. So for those yogis and yoginis out there who are listening, uh, we are all very familiar with Bikram Yoga. Uh, the simplest way for me to explain it to those of you who are not familiar is if you've heard of hot yoga 
that's what it is. Bikram yoga is hot yoga. So I was uh, under the impression that Bikram, I didn't know that he actually, and this is, I'm being completely transparent, you know. Uh, there are some yogis who may be listening who are like, nah, da, da, da. there may be some yogis and yoginis listening who might be like, how did you not know that? But I was not aware that Bikram actually existed during our lifetime. Like, he's still alive. I did not know that. I did not know that he started his practice and like, what, what was it when he brought it to America in the 70s or something like that? Did not know. Did not know. Uh, but during the course of the documentary, you find out some horrible, this man, this man, bless him <laughs> I, wow wow and yes i say bless him you know um because i i'm not in the business of damning people uh he is he has done some absolutely horrible things some absolutely horrible things and for that reason uh like i was talking to nicole texting her this is nicole my sister not my, not nicole i always talk about from my job nicole my sister she's been on the podcast before um, I was telling her, because she's a yogi as well, um, that I can't call it Bikram anymore. Like, I'm going to have to call it hot yoga, because I know. You know, he raped women. He raped women. And he was disgusting, honestly. He was absolutely disgusting and vile. And it's one thing to have a documentary where there are a bunch of people talking about someone, but you never get their side of things. But there is so much footage of him and the things that he said, where you're like, no, no. <laughs> and and during the course of the uh, documentary, there's one point where someone calls him a megalomaniac. And the term that's used now is narcissistic personality disorder, not megalomania. So I went and I wanted to do some research on it because I'm like, this is a mental health podcast. What an awesome opportunity to talk about yet another mental health disorder. So it was first recorded between 1885 and 1890. And there were there are fewer than 200,000 people diagnosed with it per year. It is a mental illness where people have delusions of grandeur, fantasies that they are more relevant or important than they actually are. They overestimate who they are. However, underneath the facade is an extremely fragile individual that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. Does that sound familiar to anyone? <laughs> anyone. Is there anyone in any form of power in the United States who this sounds like? And I will leave it there. There are a lot of symptoms, so I'm not going to read them all. But it says, signs and symptoms, and this is from Mayo Clinic, by the way. Uh, signs and symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder and the severity of the symptoms vary. People with the disorder can have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, have a sense of entitlement, and require constant excessive admiration, expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it, again, sound familiar, exaggerate achievements and talents, <laughs> Be preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. Believe they are superior and can only associate with equally special people. Monopolize conversations and belittle or look down on people they perceived as inferior. Expect special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations. Goes on for a little while longer, but once again, I'm sure it not only sounds like people that we're all familiar with, but it could also sound like people who exist in your life. 
At the same time, people with narcissistic personality disorder have trouble handling anything they can perceive as criticism, and they can become impatient or angry when they don't receive special treatment, have significant interpersonal problems and, be, and easily feel slighted, react with rage or contempt and try to belittle the other person to make themselves appear superior, have difficulty regulating emotions and behavior, experience major problems dealing with stress and adapting to change, and so on. Now, it states that because of a person with person personality, excuse me, narcissistic personality disorder may be the kind of person that perceives themselves as being greater than everyone else, they may be unlikely to seek treatment. It says if they do seek, seek treatment, it it's more than likely to be for symptoms of depression, drug or alcohol use, or another mental health problem altogether. But perceived insults to self-esteem to self may make it difficult to accept and follow through with treatment. It says that the causes are unknown. As with personality development and with other mental health disorders, the cause of narcissistic personality disorder is likely complex. However, the disorder may be linked to environment, mismatches of parent-child relationships with either excessive adoration or excessive criticism that is poorly attuned to the child's experience, it could be inherited characteristics, genetics, or the connection between the brain and the behavior and thinking, which is neurobiology. So, they talk about risk factors, excuse me. They talk about risk factors as well. Narcissistic personality disorder affects more males than females, duh, and it often begins in teens or early adulthood. Keep in mind that although some children may show traits of narcissism, this may simply be typical of their age and doesn't mean they'll go on to develop the disorder themselves. Although the cause of narcissistic personality disorder isn't known, some researchers think that in, bi in biologically vulnerable children, parenting styles that are overprotective or neglectful may have an impact. Genetics and neurobiology also may play a role in development. Well, that's pretty much what it said a few minutes ago. Okay. Um, and then with... Uh, we get to complications, Compl complications of narcissistic personality disorder and other conditions that occur along with it can include relationship difficulties, problems at work or school, depression and anxiety, physical health problems, drug and alcohol misuse and suicidal thoughts and behavior. The prevention. Because the cause of narcissistic personality disorder is unknown, there's no known way to prevent the condition. However, it may help to get treatment as soon as possible for childhood mental health problems, participate in family therapy to learn healthy ways to communicate and or cope with conflicts of emotional distress, and attend parenting classes and seek guidance from therapists and social workers if needed. So, in watching this documentary about Bikram, all of that fit. And when you got deeper into the documentary, things that were said at the beginning that you were kind of like, well, that's impressive about him. When you get to the end of the uh, documentary, you find out it was all made up. And that blew my mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm watching that like, seriously. And what's scarier is that I have met people like that. It's scary. I've really met people who make up complete tales about their lives. And when you talk to them about it, they don't get why you believe that it's a lie. 
you know, habitual lying. It is a part of who they are. So they don't see anything that's different. And at the end of the uh, at the end of the documentary, uh, for those of you who don't plan to watch it, he ends up leaving the country. Like he ends up having to go to court, and before they're able to um, before they're able to get you know the settlement and all of that, he leaves and goes where Where is he? I believe he initially went back to India, but now they showed uh, as late as 2019 he was teaching a class uh, a uh, yoga teacher training in Mexico. So he's still doing his thing, and we can only imagine where this predator, it, what the predator is doing now. And so, as a yogi, I'm sitting there like once again going back to what it was that I said about uh, about Kwanzaa. Like Bikram has helped and healed a lot of people, not meaning him, but the practice itself. You know, so we don't have to stop practicing hot yoga because of the man. You know, we can take what it is that we've learned and do it for the positive. Continue to help and heal people minus his name, you know, make positives out of negative situations. And a lot of times people who I converse with, I tell everyone I can tell I can turn literally anything into a positive and I can. I have yet to have one situation brought to me, not one, I promise you, that I was not able to turn into a positive in some way. And I feel like we have to all have to, we all have to learn how to live that way in life or we're going to be br truly broken and we'll never be able to be fixed because we're always focusing on the negative of things. True. He is a horrible person. He's a disgusting human being and I truly do pray for him. But with that being said, his practice continues to help and heal a lot of people. So I feel as though we should take it from him and do the best we can to continue that healing. So yeah, I hope that learning about narcissistic personality disorder was able to help some of you. I hope. And uh, I think I'm going to move forward with doing that probably on a monthly basis. On a monthly basis, I'm going to choose one particular disorder and kind of go in on that one particular thing. So I'll see what else we're able to do with narcissistic personality disorder for the rest of the month. Uh, but I will plan to do that going throughout the rest of the year. Of course, if there's something else that comes up, we'll talk about that too. Um, in the mental health field so healthy selfishness like i told you this was going to be real quick so <laughs> healthy selfishness i just found myself throughout this year going through a lot of anxiety a lot of depression a shitload of stress and i had to get to the point where i say to myself raven you do know that you get to come first right like it's okay I, I understand that at 21 years old, I've realized that my purpose on this earth was to be a servant to humanity. I get that, but I cannot be a healer. I cannot properly serve others if I am not helping myself first. And so I sat back and I had to, you know, I started thinking this was earlier this year, healthy selfishness. You know, I may have even started talking about healthy selfishness in 2018. I can't remember, but it's like there are ways because, of course, you hear selfish and you automatically think negative, you know, but I'm like when you are doing it for the betterment of self, when you are learning how to say no, when you own the word no, when you realize it's not only a whole sentence, not only a whole paragraph, it is an entire novel if you need to a hard stop. You know, no, and that's it. 
you don't have to say yes to everything. <laughs> Love Shonda Rhimes to death, but this will not be the year of yes for me. This shall be the year of no. Healthy selfishness. I have no desire to go out tonight. I'm and I'm sorry. I'm giving you a scenario right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Journey with me. Um, I have no desire to go out tonight. I understand that all of my friends are saying that they really want me to go out. You know that my light, you know, lights up a situation. Your energy is going to be so missed there, and I decide that I'm going to go anyway. I go and I experience my social anxiety. You know, I feel tired. I feel drained. Who do I have to blame? Myself. I can't blame my friends because all I had to do was tell them no. Healthy selfishness. I'm looking out for me. My clients, they come to me. I spend all day working with them, working with them, working with them. Never have an opportunity to sit down and type up any of my notes for them. So I start falling back on work. No notes. No documentation that I can put for what it is that I'm doing with them to put in the system of the work, the accomplishments that we're making. Because I'm constantly saying yes to everything. They need for me to take them there. They need for, for me to work with them on this, work with them on that. At no point do I have time to document any of this. And as my supervisor says, if it's not documented, it never happened. You know? I get to say no to them. I get to say, I'm sorry, I've been working with you all all day. Now I'm working on my notes. Anything else that you have will have to happen tomorrow. This is just a bit of what I'm saying when I talk about healthy selfishness and what I'm doing in 2020. And I implore all of you to join me in this. The year of healthy selfishness. And the reason why I, I wanted to do this episode is because I also wanted to stress to, well, first of all, at the beginning of every year, I do whatever the theme is. But I wanted to talk about this specifically because I've had conversations with some people about healthy selfishness and they admittedly don't know how to separate it. So for the, a lot of people don't understand gray. They live in black and white. Which I think is funny because they say that Scorpios only exist in black and white. We don't know gray. So maybe my Sag side is what helps me to see clearly where the gray is. I very rarely do black and white. But some people are major givers. All they do is give, 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 give. And when they finally decide they're not going to give anymore, they go to the complete opposite side and decide to say, fuck everybody. None of that is healthy. You have to find the gray. You have to get yourself to the middle. So that is what healthy selfishness is. So for anyone who is listening to this right now, this does not mean that you suddenly decide to make your entire life no. True, I said this would be the year of no, but th that I'm not being serious. Like, I, I can say yes to some things, you know? Don't allow this to be a situation where fuck everyone and I'm going to tell no to everybody because you don't know how to balance. That means you need to practice. Before you decide you're going to dive headfirst into the year of healthy selfishness, let me figure out what this looks like. How can I continue to show up for people? Because that's what I'm doing at work. I'm still helping my kids. I'm just giving myself a stop point in the day. If I arrive there at 8 o'clock in the morning, that means somewhere around probably 1 o'clock, 1, 2 o'clock. I'm going to let them know, all right, got to chill for the rest of the day. Because until I leave here, I'm going to be working on notes. That's it, you know? And... That's what you have to do in life. You have to say to yourself, okay, let's say that you're someone who's listening and you're a parent. Okay, so you know that there are certain things that you have to do for your kids. 
You have to take care of them in this way and that way, this way and that way. When they get home from school, you help them with their homework. And then after you finish doing that, if they're at a certain age where you know they can take care of themselves for the rest of the night, let them know me and, you know, your your other parent are going into the room and we're going to have some quiet time. We're going to enjoy each other, maybe watch a movie, maybe, you know, just veg out, eat a pizza and watch TV, you know. And for the rest of the night, if only if it's an emergency, you contact us. Healthy selfishness. And teach the child to understand that that's okay, you know. If this is a 10-year-old, look, you good. <laughs> if it's an emergency, you let me know. Otherwise, you got this. Go in your room and do your thing. And don't feel bad about it. There's no reason to feel bad about it. You need time for you. We have to start being mindful of our mental health misfits. I can't stress this enough. We have to be mindful of our mental health. If we're not taking care of us, we can't take care of others. You cannot pour from an empty cup. It's impossible. Absolutely. Healthy selfishness. If to talk about it, I may have to talk about it some more throughout the course of the year. And that's perfectly fine. If you, for any reason, feel like you need to contact me to ask some more questions about it, do so. We are on this journey together. But I give you my word, I'm going to be successful in it in 2020. Like I told you, there are going to be no uh, segments in this episode. So we're moving right on to good news. And for good news, it's real simple. I'm going to read a comment from one of the misfits. And of course, it would go away now, now, now. Bam, found it. Okay. Um, I hope that I'm saying your Instagram name right, my brother. I believe it's Gilly underscore SJ. So it's either Jilly or Gilly, but I'm going to tell myself it's Gilly. If it's Jilly, my bad. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you so much for uh, for sharing this with me. And we had a conversation about it afterwards. And it means so much, one, that you listen to the podcast, but two, that you gave me permission to be able to read what it was you had to say. So Gilly says, great episode and explanation. I've been dealing with this all my life and recently received a formal diagnosis. I am 38. I've been in therapy for two years now doing cognitive behavioral treatments. It's helped, but I still struggle. Therapists have recommended maybe looking into medication. I have a consultation with a therapist, excuse me, with a psychiatrist next week. We shall see. Thanks for your honesty and openness regarding this. And I thank you too. Thank you so much for your honesty. And once again, allowing me to read this. I'm glad that you're taking the necessary steps forward for your social anxiety so that you can get treatment and so that you can work toward a healing process. Social anxiety is something that a lot of people still aren't really aware of. I am so happy that we did our episode and I've received feedback from so many people, including some who said that they would rather me not share their comments, but them sharing their journey and their story really meant a lot. It really, really meant a lot. And we're in this together. And we need to make sure that we are shining light on things. That we're not allowing it to be in the dark anymore. I battle social anxiety. I honestly do. And the longer I'm on this earth, the more I'm realizing just how deep a lot of these things are for me. You know? My social anxiety is real. My depression is real. My paranoia is real. And the more I speak about these things out loud, the more I'm able to 
get a better understanding of them, and more importantly, where I am right now, it's time for me to seek treatment for them. Plain and simple, you know? I understand that I'm a mental health professional. However, <laughs> as a mental health professional, me more than anyone should understand the importance of making sure that I'm seeing a therapist, you know? It was too many years ago that I saw my last one. It's time for me to go ahead and start that journey again anew. So once again, thank you so much for that. And Misfits, you know that if you ever want to be able to reach out to us, you can do so. That is THS Podcast on Facebook, THS Podcast on Instagram, and underscore THS Podcast on Twitter. Again, the website for THS Podcast is down right now. So to get there, you go through wertlm.com and you can still get to the healing space through my wellness website. If you want to walk with me on social media, that is Scorpi Yogi, S-C-O-R-P-I-Y-O-G-I, Scorpi Yogi across all platforms. You can listen to us everywhere from Spotify to Apple Podcast to Overcast to SoundCloud, to Google Play, everywhere. We are everywhere. You can get your healing no matter where it is. (laughs) So thank you all so much for listening. Welcome to 2020. Let's continue to heal together. Let's continue to heal together. I'm sorry, I kind of had a slight aha moment just now. Some uh, some ideas that suddenly just came flooding through my mind. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to let you all go now. I love you so much. Thank you for continuing to listen. And this is going to be a great year. The year of healthy selfishness. I love you all. Namaste. Namaste.